Welcome, Joe Nolan. This welcome. is such. I'm so. This music is so mellow. <laughs> it's chill. And uh, welcome, Jason Baker. Man, really cool for you to be here. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. And here. I know that uh, you know when you're training for a fight, uh, the last thing you probably want to do is. Uh, I guess we're media in a way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it Talk. takes a lot to get out of your schedule. So hopefully no. you'll get something from this. I think generally people always win their fights or like maybe 90%. Joe? I think in, if you come on our show, it's a it's a blessing. It's kind of a lucky charm, I yeah. think. Yeah, we'll see. There we go. I, could use all I don't really life. actually know if that's true, but <laughs> let's say that it is. I think it actually was. <laughs> I think it was for a good while. And then I think it was, was it Donovan or I don't know, somebody, somebody lost. And then we just like... Uh, Donovan's still undefeated, so that so was not... There we go. Uh, not Don- Donovan's been on our show Logan, twice, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess it was... Uh, Logan Nash. The Bat. Was he on here? Yeah. The Bat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Nash. <laughs> Which, I mean, that fight that um, that he had lost was you know very closely contested anyways. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in a lot of our opinions, he had won the uh, first two rounds. Uh, round one was just pure domination of, uh, of his grappling mm-hmm. um, and uh, control. Round two was a bit the bit of the same thing, but his opponent, uh, Alexander Shank, did a really good job at um, scrambling even more. So it wasn't as much uh, con- like success in terms of control, but it was still another round, in my opinion, for, uh, for Logan Nash. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, the third round came and, uh, Alexander Schenk really was able to display his athleticism and his physical attributes because his mm. cardio was still there. Yeah. He was still like super fast twitch, very explosive. And at that point, Logan had, um, had blown his load in terms of just like trying to control and grapple so so right. aggressively. Uh, he kept going for uh, submissions, mm-hmm. and the thing is, is that whenever all the sweat gets into place and the um, athleticism and the adrenaline of your opponent and stuff like that, they don't necessarily have to intellectually get out. They can start just squirming around. Exp- like they can catch your timing to where they where they know when to be faster than you and stronger mm-hmm. than you because they can still explode and absolutely yeah. so that's uh, that's a lot of what happened in the uh in um with logan's gas tank is that he kept beautifully tra- uh, chaining into different submissions uh-huh. but we all agreed looking back on it that maybe he should have settled and didn't yeah. ground and pound and striking to conserve mm-hmm. the energy because it was go 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 uh-huh. very surprised that shank was well, able you know, to it's just like anything you know like you have all these plans you have all your ideas you have your like uh this preconception that when i'm in the situation that i'm in what anything performative or uh whether you know or difficult or challenging you know that's momentary and happening in real time you're always in a place where it's like uh when you're forecasting it in your mind you're like i'm gonna see these things coming or i'm gonna be aware of this but there's just something about the like how to tame yourself in in the moment that is a very Mm -hmm. difficult uh, thing and I would imagine in fighting, uh, it's got to be just profoundly different all the time than what you kind of imagine. And I think it's probably a lot easier for like a musician or an artist to visualize the outcome of something and, and peaceably get to it, right? Yeah. And learn whatever you need to learn versus like, oh shit, you know, I'm in my underwear and this guy's punching me. Yeah, and I, yeah. I that's the hard thing. This yeah. is going to be happening right now, and so I've got to like somehow stay calm, right? And, and think, you know, I, I think that stuff's fantastic. By the way, side note, my apologies to Donovan. I've I did not know that for whatever undefeated. reason that, that you were undefeated. <laughs> so undefeated. For, for those listening, uh, we've had um, you know several people from from uh, Legion uh, and and about. So uh, go back and check through our episodes, uh, and we want to have everybody back on because it's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. Sean Patton, Logan Nash, Donovan Salvato. Yeah, get so uh, cool. Kyle Lee on there. Uh, I, I talked to Kyle about coming on before and we had a time problem. Like it's a, a lot of times he's teaching classes on Thursday nights. I think, I think that's, I think he does the kickboxing class on Tuesdays and Thursdays or something. Well, yeah. Or, yeah. Or at that time he's having trouble. We'll get him on sooner Maybe or later. I want to talk to you, Joe. <laughs> no, he wants to talk to me. Yeah. We've had a bunch of these folks on and I was going to, I was just going to say about that, that whole thing about, uh, about you know what you know controlling the fight but like there being an issue with like the pacing and it's like one of the things that I've learned in training with you guys is just the whole fact of how you you have it's like you have two things you have 
the, a gas tank and you have an uh, a, an accelerator pedal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And on one level, you're trying to get your gas tank bigger and the train and, and do cardio and do all these things and learn to actually, you know, be fitter, be more fit and be able to last longer and to, you know, explode better and all this kind of stuff. But on the other end of it, no matter how big your gas tank is, you've got to learn how to control that accelerator pedal so that it matches what you have in the gas tank. And I, I was listening to a uh, 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 podcast earlier today. They're talking about Fury Wilder too. And they were talking about how Fury, um, uh, you know, he changed from his old trainer to start training with, uh, I think it's Emmanuel Stewart's son or something, but it's connected to the old Kronk uh, gym out of Detroit. And basically he claims that he's looking to go into the Wilder fight with more of an attitude of like, I think I can get a knockout. Because in the first fight, he... He really looked like he hurt Wilder two times in like the first round and in the 12th round after he went down. But it's like, but he said that he only followed up with a certain amount of aggression when that happened Mm -hmm. because he just didn't trust himself that he could that he could finish it, that if he went ahead and tried to knock him out, he'd tire himself out so much that he'd then be vulnerable to getting knocked out himself. So he said, you know, this fight, he wants to sort of believe in his gas tank a little more, believe in that accelerator pedal a little more Mm -hmm. and be ready to be more aggressive if he gets the opportunity. But I think that's such a huge part of it. Like that people don't get it. It's like, you got to set the pace uh, to, to it's, it's when somebody else is setting the pace for you and, and you can't keep up. It is fucking hell on earth Uh, (laughs) absolutely you know or Um, like you say when you when you do something where it's like you control the fight for two rounds but now you know kind of like we saw with reyes and jones uh just uh two weeks ago or whatever is it's like oh yeah you know those to me the first three rounds what i saw of them like i was having trouble with my uh, feed (laughs) it was like it was like looking good but then obviously in the last two rounds it's like part of it was that those first three rounds went really well because you sort of burned all the wood. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah. now you're... Your feet. <laughs> yeah. What's uh, really funny about that fight is because um, I was able to watch the whole card and then it's the main event where my connection kept dipping in and out. And, and yeah. every, everything that I had seen, every snippet, I completely missed the second and third round mm-hmm. and I caught most of the fourth and fifth round. I caught parts of the first, uh-huh. but every snippet that I got in was like a John Jones highlight reel. Because whenever I finished the fight, I was like, all right, looks like Jones dominated. And then everyone was like saying, like, no, That's Dominic right. Reyes. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, literally, yeah. the connection crapped out Somehow. to just make a Jones highlight. <laughs> so both of you guys must have been very upset yeah. this night, having paid all that money for the pay-per-view and then having all of these uh, sort of yeah. problems watching it. <laughs> exactly. yeah. um, it does make it a little upsetting. No, but, but that's funny. You, so you got like the, the, the Jones remix, uh, like awesome highlight reel and had no idea. I saw a version of the fight where like, he had definitely I was like all right that must have been a <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be to be fair I mean he does have highlights in that fight it was a yeah, close yeah. fight for sure well and that's the thing that I don't think that people really think about um looking at the stats for around three four and five right is that Jones overall was outlanded maybe like 20 to 30 punches uh-huh. um and it was mainly a lot in the first and second so by a point-based system I would definitely give the first two rounds to Reyes now the fourth and fifth I think uh Jones outstruck Reyes not by a whole lot but he was outstriking him mm-hmm. and he was advancing uh-huh. you know, the whole fight so and uh, takedowns too yeah and the takedowns mm-hmm. definitely did help in the fourth and fifth now that third was close I think Reyes slightly outstruck Jones, but depending on the significance of those strikes in the third round um, and depending on the um, like how much uh, Jones was controlling the ring mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like asserting himself and advancing forward, mm-hmm. um, definitely could give him the third round. And I think that's mm-hmm. just a lot of things that people don't realize is that they score for multiple things. Right. They score points on the strikes. They score for advancement. They score to see how you use your grappling mm-hmm. how well you're able to control in your grappling mm-hmm. so um i whenever i look at the overall things that you can score a fight off of mm-hmm. i'm i'm a little disappointed that there's not a, enough people that say 
Uh, I'm not upset about who won. Right. It's like this was well, a very technical yeah. score. That's a testament. Fight. That's a testament, though. Just people are just kind of uh, jonesing for Jones to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing too yeah. is that, like, I mean, growing up, uh, I mean, I just think about okay, I always wanted the Redskins to lose. I always wanted the Lakers to lose. All these like dynasty teams through the years. Yeah. And the and, Cowboys. And you know, like, <laughs> you think about, like the Sacramento Kings, Lakers back in like whatever it was, like early two thousands, where it was just it was so clear that if they were going to win in this series, they were going to have to beat the referees, the media. Mm. They were going to have to beat the, the Lakers themselves emphatically. Like if you were going to, if you were going to beat them, you were going to need to be up by, you know, at least 20 points going into the fourth quarter to have a chance. Cause you're going to get uh, pulled back. And I feel like that in the Reyes uh, fight, you know, particularly or anything else, it's like you you just have to go into it I think with your game plan of like this is this is I'm I'm going to I'm going to uh take this person out mm-hmm. like I know that that's a crazy thing to say well you're talking about like sort of John Jones but I feel like if you have conceded in any way that you are going to allow yourself to go to the judges for any reason I mean unless you can just run the table and effectively almost have like 10 eights all yeah. the way through. I mean, unless it's just, there are maybe a slight exception to that, but yeah. you got to be thinking this, this is the only way that I can win. I, I just feel like when it gets to that level, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, cause you think about like the Hendrix GSP thing, that was another one of those where it was oh, like, yeah. you know, which is so weird by the way, to think about like the Hendrix took GSP right to the, the precipice. And then where's, I know. Yeah. So it's very strange. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he fell off. Um, yeah, that's that's a whole other thing of its yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so I guess my question for you would be like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, obviously you're you're not fighting uh, John Jones, uh, you know, who's a champion for over a decade or whatever. Next fight. Um, next fight. Yeah, next right, fight. Right, John Jones. Class. But, uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not minimizing what you're doing, but you no, know, like, like, I understand. You're not in that dire situation of uh, like I've got to beat the whole world, right? Uh, right. You, you have a dire situation either way, but um, but I guess I just wonder how much considering these kind of things, right? How much does that factor into, especially for like different commissions, different, Mm -hmm. you know, rule sets? Uh, How much do you, do you, do you think about that and kind of think to yourself, like, I I really actually just kind of need to strategize or try to set something up to, to be able to really have a good chance of getting a finish. Um, Or is it something where you just kind of like, as much as it's tempting to try to go that way, it can probably screw you up too right because then you're just not running you're not being you're not taking the openings as they come or I don't know so I just wonder about like how natural it is to maybe go into it just be like I I gotta take this guy out you know so it's uh, it's like uh, two quotes that there's a fine balance between one of them is from uh, Mike Tyson where it's uh, you fight for the finish and you're not going to win the decision Mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, don't leave it in the hands of the judges, yeah. uh, which is a huge one. And so, in my opinion, it's finding middle ground in between that. Um, there are things that there's only so many things that we can do to um, there's there's a secondary and a, uh, or a primary and a secondary goal of how I train. Primary is the strategy for the finish. Now, the way that this works is that in order for me to go to secondary, I have to be able to uh, intellectually and be in like a cerebral state in the fight to realize this guy is harder to put away. He's not falling for my traps. I now have to rely on my secondary, which is my conditioning, uh-huh. my cardio um, and technicality and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a fine line to juggle and balance. But essentially, those are the two game plans of how I approach my training is I that I always think of the finish. It's more exciting. I don't want to be in there for the whole three three minute rounds you know, <laughs> I, I, I want to yeah. get in there in round one and get it done yeah um it looks better uh, just things like that yeah. and um, bonuses all sorts of things yeah, right exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly so it um so the goal is to always get the finish but there is that balance of the secondary stuff doesn't necessarily come in like a different striking or grappling game plan it's more of like i've got to know when to realize this guy is hard to put away 
now I, now I have to rely on the 12 week camp that I did of building up my cardio systems mm-hmm. and, uh, and like my, my fast and slow twitch muscle fibers. Uh, so that's, uh, that's kind of how I approach that. Mm-hmm. It's always game planning for the finish, but expecting, hoping for the best and expecting the worst. I you, hope for the finish, you know, but I, I'm always, you never know the heart that you're going to pull out of someone and you never know what their like what their desire and their mm-hmm. hunger brings up to it. So it's, uh, have to be very in the moment, very, mm-hmm. you know, take a breath. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part. In my first couple of fights, um, I mean, I've had three MMA fights. Uh, how many amateur and how many pro? Just all amateur. All amateur. All and amateur. this fight coming up is also amateur. an amateur fight. Really yeah, quick, I don't, want, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but really quick, just to catch up people, because there's lots of people who follow the fight stuff who might not know the details, yeah. and there's a ton of people who listen to our stuff who are into like painting and music, and they definitely yeah, yeah. don't know the details. So you have a fight coming up, Cage Fighting Championship. What weight are you fighting at? Yeah, so I'm fighting for the Jonathan Ivey Cage Fighting Championship, the uh, CFC. It's the eighth event, and I am making my lightweight debut, mm-hmm. which is 155 pounds. Okay. Um, before, I had fought at a catch weight, which is just an agreed weight mm-hmm. between two fighters, not an official weight class, mm-hmm. at, uh, 150 mm-hmm. twice. And then my la- uh, last fight was 145, the uh, featherweight. And these are all mixed martial arts events? These are all MMA. Am- yes. Amateur mixed martial arts yes, events? Yes, amateur okay. uh, mixed martial arts events. And this is going to be on March... This is March 7th March at 7th. the Middle Tennessee Expo Center in Murfreesboro. Okay, perfect. Okay, um, now back to your training and your flow. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Now, now I just got to get back on my flow. Right, yeah. But you're, um, you're in the middle right now of a 12-week fight camp getting ready for this. Right, absolutely. So, uh, oh, I'm, oh, sorry, just going back to the point. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember what I was talking about. In, in my first um, couple MMA fights, I've, like I said, I've only had three. I'm two and one. Mm-hmm. Uh, two rear naked choke finishes, but uh, both of them in the second round. And then the last one I lost to um, Jaime Vasquez, Donovan Salvato's opponent. Mm. Uh, I lost a decision. And uh, it always, not that it feels good, but I, I draw, you know, confidence from the fact that he's perceived to be like the CFC's pound for pound number one. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like the positioning that him and Donovan are fighting for. So I feel at least I, um, it was a worthy adversary. But yeah. uh, the first fight, it was a lot of uh, timid. Like in the first round, you can tell that like me and my opponent are just figuring out range. We're hardly throwing everything we throw or feints. Mm-hmm. Everything we yeah. throw or feints. Yeah. Um, he landed one leg kick in the first round. And then after that, I got a little bit more active. Um, and he. Uh, and then I shot for a takedown, took him down. And uh, it was just funny looking back at how like sloppy the uh, the ground was then. <laughs> um, but the point is that it was just very timid. I was like, I feel like I have these T-Rex arms. I was like, what's, what's going on? I was like, it was the first MMA fight. And yeah, right. um, give yourself a break. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the second round, I, I got cracked so hard in the face, like just right in between the eyes. And that kind of like woke me up. Punched? And I was like, oh yeah, I got yeah. punched super hard in the face. It was what we call a, a pull cross. Uh-huh. So he was kind of like in and out, in and out. And I took the bait and I went in and he pulled and throws his rear hand uh-huh. straight punch and just clocked me so hard in the forehead. So he like just got just out of your reach just and then came back in and cracked and you right in the nose. So hard. Yeah. Uh, did you thank him? Because uh, they woke me up and yeah. I won the fight shortly after that. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I was like, I don't want out of here. I want to win at getting out of here. Yeah. So I, I remember I sunk in my rear naked choke because, uh, uh, um, he had tried to take me down and some ground exchange happened. I swept, got back on top. Mm-hmm. And, and now at that point in your first fight, what is your, what is your jujitsu training? Are you a, like a, uh, like a blue belt by I then? Was, I, I had just shortly become a blue belt, okay, which yeah. for the people that don't know, I had trained in martial arts and jujitsu for about a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Whenever I made my amateur debut, mm-hmm. I would recommend a little bit more time. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what I did. Yeah. Yeah. But I just remember in the second round, I'm sinking in that rear naked choke and I, and I'm just thinking, I was like, please tap, 
please tap. I want this to be done. I was like, I'm, I'm so ready to get out of here. I was like, <laughs> that punch really just like, it's not that it hurt me, but I was like, holy, I, I remember thinking in the fight, if that punch was an inch lower, it would have blown my nose to pieces. I was like, get out of here. Yeah. The urgency becomes uh, um, like really concrete, I imagine, in that scenario too, where you're, you know, well, I think it's interesting what you're saying too about, uh, uh, you know, you wish, obviously, everybody wants more experience before they go into a cage fight than what you have, right? Because mm-hmm. you can have a better chance of winning, generally. But I think that there's something really cool about, uh, you know, there's a lot of fighters, right, that have just kind of blazed really quickly to a point of real, you know, being competitive very quickly. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe there's something also maybe in a way, you know, when you think about stuff you did when you were a teenager, like that was stupid. Like I didn't mm-hmm. have any sense or whatever, but I wasn't afraid. There's something blissful about a particular type of ignorance, right? Or, or a, a, not ignorance, but you know what I mean? Like, um, like, I don't know, I'm just going to throw myself into it and yeah. I'm going to use what I got. And you have this misguided maybe impression about what you do know and how capable you are. Because mm-hmm. I mean, of course, like in five years from now, you're going to look back to where you are now and be like, okay, I've grown exponentially absolutely uh, since then so uh so i guess you know do you do you give yourself sort of room for that kind of some sort of a controlled kind of naivete or you know what i mean like where it's like i'm gonna let myself i can't know everything right now and i'm going to just sensibly go about this um, but i have like uh, i'm gonna transcend maybe some of the fear of it by just kind of i don't know there's some sort of energy you have to kind of put into it right that's kind of not reckless but just sort of like all right, fuck it. Let's see. Like, I got some stuff going here, and I think I can yeah. compete. So let's do it. You know, in the uh, in the well, and see, that's the thing is that for a lot of people, I would say that is how it works. Not that I'm um, like this special, unique, different individual. Um, sure, you are. But yeah, I I like to always say I'm the common man. <laughs> I, I work two jobs. I train for a full fight. I'm I'm, I'm the common man, blue collar. Hey, for those uh, who, for those who, you know, you guys can't see in the studio right now, but Jason is wearing. A, a very he's a, a extravagant fur. Uh, he's got, yeah, he's got, you can probably hear the clinking of his gold chains. Yeah. I particularly oh, like uh, the third crown on your head right now. It's yeah. really that's the one that catches the eye. <laughs> no, just khakis and polos, guys. <laughs> um, but uh, going back to what, what, what we is were just talking about, sort of like the I don't know, like a sort of a, a willful, blissful right, sort of ignorance right, that right. you kind of have to go into it, or so, just an expectation that I would I'm going to grow. I would say that it just depends on the personality of the individual. There was a lot of people where they were like, F it, I'll go ahead and do it. I don't care. And it's like, man, that's really incredible. And then for me, it was, um, it was to challenge myself. So I had come from a, a bullied background, right? I, uh, I grew up with a military family, moved around a lot. Parents got divorced, moved around some more. So a combination of like my reserved personality mixture with constantly moving extremely socially awkward kids going through puberty all these hormones going on they start you know targeting you without even realizing it so you're getting picked on without actually there being a reason and you're thinking why is this happening there's just no reason (laughs) and um Anyways, point is that that made me like an easier target to get bullied. I perceived uh, comments differently. If I said something back, maybe got like smacked around. There was like three times in uh, high school that I had been jumped. So um, this is a common narrative, too. I think for I a think lot so. of fighters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's people that were the victims and then there were people that aren't the uh the aggressor necessarily but they like the fight those people i'm always actually very wary of because i enjoy the discipline the uh getting better uh sculpting my body to be at the peak of athletic performance that it just that you can't naturally obtain you have to work to get that Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of things that i really do enjoy about that um the 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 cleaner eating allows my mind to function better i sleep better uh overall I'm, i'm a more productive functioning human being and then there's just some people that are like I'm going to eat this Mickey D's. I'm going to eat this Wendy's. I'm going to get in here. I'm going to fight this dude like a dog because that's who I am. Mm. And they do well because of that, that mentality (laughs) of being Mm. deranged. So, (laughs) and so, yeah, exactly. So that just goes into what I was saying that it just depends on your personality. For me, I, my confidence only gets higher and higher after every MMA fight because I realized like, man, I thought that was a fight camp. 
<laughs> I didn't even, I didn't like that. That was horrible. That wasn't a fight camp. And so my confidence is always was worse whenever I first started because I was trying to conquer that fear of like being the bullied victim from years ago and realizing that I had outgrown that. Yeah. Um, but then after each MMA fight, I just started doing things more properly. Like my first fight, I had been training in the uh, in, st- in kickboxing and jujitsu for a year, you know, five days a week. Some people go to college. That's what I did. And um, uh, I didn't start training for an actual fight until five weeks before because I mentioned, hey, Logan Nash, I want to get a fight. He was like, OK, a week later, by the way, in five weeks, there's this one going on. And I was like. Do, 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 do. Oh, five weeks? Ask oh. for Ask for you to receive, yeah. yeah man. So that was a five-week camp, and we got me in like as good a shape as possible for that. And the, uh, <laughs> You're okay. You're fine. Don't worry which, about it. <laughs> I will say for someone that was working like a full-time job and then coming in in his spare time to train, even though it was five days a week, I was a lot of that was skill developing and understanding martial arts. That wasn't training for a fight camp. You, you know what I mean? That whole year wasn't training for a fight camp. That was I was learning how to speak and walk and talk jujitsu uh, and kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the first fight was just five weeks. Um, the second fight, uh, I trained for still probably about like three months. But the problem is, is that in that three months, it was just all the same thing. Um, it was the same weightlifting program. You know, it was uh, it was the same uh, kind of cardio. There wasn't any specific cardio. It was basically, why do cardio whenever we can just roll super hard doing like specific jujitsu rounds or like specific MMA sparring rounds and stuff like that. Um, so then what, what happens there is that there was a lot of overtraining. Mm-hmm. I was hitting my peak way before the fight and I'm overtrained because I'm doing the same thing over and over again, instead of switching up, having a taper week, a hard three weeks, etc. Third fight, um, not really too many, uh, changes between there. I think that my nutrition was a lot better for the third fight. Cause that was the actual time that I made 145. So that was mainly like a nutritional improvement. Now getting ready for this fight, this was this will be total by the time that we hit fight uh, fight day, it will have been a twelve week program in its entirety. So really, your first proper full. I trained like a pro. Con- I, I, tra- yeah. I trained like a pro for this one. Yeah. I, I researched. I worked with professionals instead of trying because I used to be a personal trainer. So instead of me just trying to throw together my own stuff or like with my buddies, I got with Anthony uh, Pascuela. He is one of our guys that does jujitsu uh, with us at Legion. And he is also a certified strength and conditioning coach uh, and likes to try. He's passionate about working with athletes. And so I'm his guinea pig. And uh, this 12 week program, like the research, everything that he like put pours into it um, is definitely what I needed. So like, again 12 weeks total by the time the fight happens the first four weeks was to just condition the body and that was like a month of working out for the real workout yeah, yeah. just get you like you said before we started taping you were like that was like getting in shape to yeah. get ready to fight that was getting, <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah that, that was the getting in shape to get in even more shape right so um, so you can do the camp so i can actually <laughs> do the camp yeah exactly and then um so that's uh week 1 through 4 then week 5 through 8 it was um very specific weightlifting, right? Lifts that are going to translate into picking someone up for like a blast double or how to turn the hips properly and develop a lot of punching power and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it was very, 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 very specific at that point. Um, Mobility weightlifting too. So exercising in ranges of motion and stuff, strengthening and elongating muscles that aren't traditionally exercised. What would you be doing? Like, would you be using kettlebells to do that? Or what kind of, okay. I'd be using kettlebells. It'd be holding uh, different forms, uh, doing like a split squats or like a a 90, 90 degree angle of like holding the legs and like raising the hips through and Uh like a modified Turkish get ups. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then now it's a lot of application. So now it's less weightlifting, um, 
more circuits and a lot of like more bag and mitt work because oh, right now on. it's the modality is to be very specific to mm. you're going to be fighting the mm. weightlifting is done what's going to happen is that the strength and the power and the speed are going to translate over now it's the actual application mm-hmm. so this last month is just all technical bag work mitt work specific situational drilling um and then the week you know the week of the fight we're going to turn everything down we're going to slow down we're going to stay active if anything we're going to game plan and we're going to move mm-hmm. at like 50 percent, you know intensity this is to rest the nervous system and make sure that we're going to tip right over peak right over peak performance and then in that last week I'll rest and recuperate enough to where I am in that fight right at the maximum athletic performance that I can deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also rested and, and Absolutely. calm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Calm. And it's good uh, mental time. Like right now I'm spending a lot of time like mental training. Uh, visualization is very important. Um, you have to visualize your, the, the person that you're fighting, visualize their height, watch their tape and kind of visualize how they're going to approach the fight visualize the combinations that you're going to open up with imagine them actually connecting um that's, that's easy just yeah. run across the cage and uh, yeah. 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 flying knee I mean, well, just, didn't you watch the diego sanchez fight <laughs> oh yeah yeah his uh his, Focus. Force, his force field was almost there. Yeah. Um, see like in the, in my first and uh, in all three of my fights there was a lack of visualization um i didn't visualize the the victories I didn't visualize what I was going to do. And a lot of that's very important. Uh, I don't know the exact uh, study or who first uh, spoke on it, but there was a guy who was, um, I believe he was uh, imprisoned or something like that for about four to five years. And all he did, I don't know for how much time, but in that four to five years, he, uh, he used to golf, but he would visualize and mentally train golfing and so whenever he came right out he was able to golf you know not perfectly but he he, he had retained and actually developed a, a skill because he really walked through it all the time because he was mm-hmm. yeah he was imagining every bit of it to do the thing too where you visualize yourself sort of in trouble you know uh, or at a point of challenge or is that uh, i would it's such a weird thing right because it's kind of like visualization walks this weird dance with possibly like the superstitious or the yeah you know what well I mean? the the part that made visualization very effective for me is that like it's not just okay Imagine, all right, cool. I threw my jab. I threw my cross. No, it's it's imagining everything. Like I'll set a timer and I'll put it for three three minute rounds with mm-hmm. a minute rest in between. And a lot of people they don't realize they'll visualize for like five to ten seconds and then they're like, Okay, that was a good idea. And it's like, No, you just made the outline. Where's the specific detail? Like how do you think that you're going to think in that moment? What do you like where uh so the point is that I hardcore visualize for those three, three minutes. And there's moments where I'll actually get my heart rate picking up because I'm, because I've had that experience of being in the fights. I just kind of bring myself back to mm-hmm. it. And it's almost I, like an acting exercise. It is. <laughs> Very much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I bring myself back to the moments and the experiences that I had. And then basically I try to steady my heart rate and remain calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one time, like a month ago, I was like, man, I'm going to like six weeks. I'm going to be fighting. Um, uh, I, I, for whatever reason, the, the noise of a kick hitting the uh, Muay Thai pads in the warm up room and the way that it echoed just started, my heart rate started to shoot like so hard. Like my heart was beating really, really fast. Cause I was like, I remember being in there. I remember being in the mix. I remember, like, I know that sound of being in that warm up room and kicking the pad and the echoing and the tension and the nerves. Um, so then I started to, anytime that I, a negative thought or even a positive one that tickles the heart rate, I immediately start to slow down my breathing and visualize. And it's like, okay, now I need to start working through this mentally and uh, solve the problems. That's really interesting. The idea that you would actually do it on a continuum with timed rounds with Mm -hmm. your, with your break. I think that's really smart. I I never thought about it that way. You hear about these things, fighters, you know, uh, visualizing, Mm -hmm. you just kind of feel like it's, I'm not saying it's like, that's the most substantive explanation of that that I've ever uh, sort of gotten from anyone. So I think that's what's the, what was the, the uh, only way that it works. Remember for me. in the yeah. in the uh, uh, Michael Jordan uh, 
uh, who was his old coach? The the Phil Jackson. Yeah, and remember he he was big on all that stuff, and 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 I think I think like you were alluding to, I think there's some good science behind it that that you know by imagining yourself through doing something successfully, it makes it. it you actually are doing real learning on doing it successfully. Mm. Yeah, I guess I, I have, I'll have to look this brain science up. If there's any well, brain scientists well, listening no, to this podcast, we, <laughs> I think it's confidence um, because confidence gives people the power and the ability to do things that normally fear would cripple an individual. Mm. You see some people where it's like, uh, okay, run from this rooftop to the other one on this really rickety bridge, but don't worry, this uh, cord is going to hold you. Person runs all the way across and they're like, by the way, that cord was fake. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, you totally could have fallen and died. And it's like, but you did it with so much confidence with that lack of fear. You, there was no hesitation. Mm-hmm. There was no trembling in the muscles or mm-hmm. the nerves. The heart rate was picking up. It was just like, oh, yeah. cool. I walk across here and that's it. Um, so, so yeah, so you gotta like accomplish that somehow. Like it's, it's still pretty dangerous. Right. So it's kind of similar, but I, I guess what I'm wondering about too, is like, uh, you know, from, you know, as you know, we're sort of always bridging the gap between a lot of, um, creative, um, th- you know, uh, art and making of things and music and all of this, right. Creative things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've always really enjoyed and really the why we created this podcast was because we, we really, this kind of stuff, right? Like immediately I'm thinking, how would I, you know, as an artist or as a creative, if I'm a photographer or if I'm a, a painter or, you know, um, or a poet or whatever, I wonder what would be the benefit. Uh, you know, I suppose like if you're doing anything performative, right? Like if you're, I don't know, like one of those people that does like the aerial silks or like, I don't know, like something where like you could fall on your head and die, mm-hmm. right? There is some inherent danger in what's going on and you want to do a good job. I just wonder, like, it seems like visualization is, is, uh, it's something that just people kind of say, and to your point, right? Like where it's like, I, I kind of, I visualized it for about 10 or 15 seconds right. and that seemed like I really sorted something out there. You know, the other thing too, I guess I wanted, I wanted to ask you real quick is, um, Partially one, yes. Like, how do you feel like this creative people would benefit from sort of fighting or uh, what parallels might you see there? Um, That's sort of one question I have for you. And then the other is kind of like when you get down to the minutia of your visualization with your actual fight coming up. Um, how do you get tape on people that don't have a lot of tape or how do you, or do you just have to sort of go, well, cause I know in amateur ranks, right. You're just going to fight people sometime. You're like, I don't know. I saw their picture. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go fight that guy. Yeah. Uh, so that sort of ties into this visualization thing. I know I'm sort of forking two widely right, birthed right. questions. So, so here. first question, the first question is sort of like, <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you feel like your fight preparation and training and the creativity that you use in, in fighting, uh-huh. uh, and combat Which correlates with like other, uh, like leisure arts or yeah. stuff like that yeah. or, or um, things crafts. that are really dire like just you know somebody painting and trying to get their their thing done you know mm. uh, is as important as it is for you to sink a, a choke in the second round so <laughs> i would say that the correlation is it's it's not like you can just cross train in multiple things like culinary um artistry or martial arts for that matter and just be like, Oh, I understand it. It all translates. No, there's, uh, there's very specific things in my opinion that take over. Um, like if I want to, like I've got a piano and a guitar at home, if I want to learn those things better, I extract the lessons that I have learned from the main craft that I dedicate my life to, which is okay. Well, whenever I want to get better at playing the piano or guitar, I at least have an hour of class practice where I'm doing jujitsu or striking. Okay. What else do I do for that kind of stuff? Well, I also do private work where I'm with a, like in someone who is better than me two or three times a week, fine tuning it one-on-one. Um, what else am I doing? Well, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and stuff like that on my craft. So it's not that I ever find that it correlates. It's the, uh, the discipline mm. and your organization, your structure and your scheduling mm. that you, uh, transfer over. Mm-hmm. That's what I think would correlate the best. Now, yeah. if we're talking about baseball, football, soccer, sports have a bit more interchangeable, uh, interchangeability with one another because, uh, it's a lot of SAQ speed, agility, quickness, uh, explosive output. Um, AKA Dominic. 
Reyes. Yeah, yeah. See, and th- that was one thing that I didn't feel like that. Like that is why I did not like him is because he was not able to articulate what he meant by saying, "I am like the superior athlete. I have trained baseball, soccer. I did track, and I'm doing this." And then Jones is like, "Okay, but we're like all elite level athletes. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was the part that I hated is that he couldn't articulate by saying, "Oh, well, I pitched in baseball, so therefore I learned how to throw one devastating cross by turning my hips over properly or mm-hmm. football allowed me to do right. my blast doubles." Yeah, like um, one one little the, step deeper into it would have or would have yielded a lot of information. Oh, yeah, he, he got shut down all on that. All he had to do all he, all he had <laughs> to do was just explain the benefits of cross training in mm-hmm. different sports. And it would have already sounded better instead of just saying <laughs> yeah. this is why you know i've been reading baseball this, I've been deal reading, with it <laughs> yeah. i've been uh reading this book lately about marketing uh shout out to john morgan uh he wrote the book i think it was um it's like market against the machine mm-hmm. or something like that but that was something is that uh i've extracted like philosophically to not just business but my own life which is um Dominic Reyes had a target audience. He had consumers, whether they were buying something or not, they were consuming the content that was coming out of his mouth. And what you need to do with that is you need to educate. And he's not educating anyone whenever he says, I am the superior athlete. Why? Because I am. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like you, you like you need to, it's like people like me who actually fight know what you're saying, mm. but that's not the majority of the demographic of people that are watching and tuning into yeah. your fight. They don't know. So you have to kind of learn how to educate. Like you can't just say things and expect everyone to understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to explain yourself if you want to be understood because mm-hmm. what good is your product or your content? If you're misunderstood, mm-hmm. you have to learn how to communicate and bridge the gap between yourself and the target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, not trying to get critical of Dominic Reyes. It was just, yeah. A, yeah. A, huge, right. just sure. a huge thing that I thought that he lacked that Jones has has good with he knows how to connect with people mm-hmm. whether it's a facade or not whether it's, yeah. to he, raise he their ire a, or not he gets something out of it people like like he makes people laugh and stuff mm-hmm. so um but anyways so that's where i would say going back to the first question that's where i would say that a lot of it connects is um the discipline mm-hmm. and like these are the hours i spend this is the specific training that i spend into this i need to do something the same thing with like music or cooking like mm-hmm. i need to be studying videos i need to be consistently cooking my best dishes dedicating like my spare time to my not good stuff or you know with like uh-huh. piano and guitar i can't forget my scales I can't, right. I can't forget that, like those are important warmups, yeah. you know. Yeah, I saw. Um, I saw. Th- th- there's a there's a legendary drummer by the name of Tony Williams. He he was playing with Miles Davis by the time he was 16 years old. He's a, you know like one of the greatest of all time. I saw him do a clinic once, and he was saying, somebody asked him, you know, uh, how did you develop your ride cymbal? T-? Or no, actually, what it was the question was something about. I noticed on this, you know, in your demonstration that you were playing this time signature and you were doing this complicated thing and whatever. They were breaking it down all technically, and then he was like what you're really asking me is how did I develop my ride symbol technique? So he, he immediately just walked away from the, the complexities and the, the nuances of what he was actually doing in that moment mm-hmm. and brought it to this larger question. And he goes, okay, you're just asking me how I developed my ride symbol technique. So here's what I did. I took all my drums and everything else and I put them away. And then I just played the ride symbol for about six, seven, eight hours a day. <laughs> and then after I'd done that for a lot of, a long time, I developed my ride symbol technique. It really is like, there's, well, that's, a, there's that's a, a specific breakdown. That's a very specific yeah. Way of, instead of just playing the piece over and over again, he's like, I'm going to isolate this one specific and particular mm-hmm. thing about it. And I'm yeah. just going to hone in on it. And I'm going to master hitting this one piece of instrument yeah. over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and to do it in a way where it's like, it, 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 people have a, a tendency, I think, to apply this sort of realm of mystery around the greats of mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it doesn't matter any... Yeah, no. It doesn't matter. It's, it's always just who worked. Right. It's always hard work. It's like there's, there's prodigies and like gifted natural like people, but they eventually get 
caught up into a talent pool that mm. where it doesn't matter if you were genetically gifted or this, this and that, like eventually you will enter in the, the talent pool where it is a mixture of everything. People are there because of who they know and the fortune of timing. They're there because they're genetically inclined to the craft that they do. And then there's like the tremendous amount of hard work that goes mm. into it. After a certain level, you're going to interact with all those people. Mm. Um, getting to your second question though, yeah. on like getting the film and stuff like that, yeah. a lot of it's, uh, um, you, you stalk your opponent's Facebook page, mm. see, see if you can find anything there. Um, <laughs> this is just like yeah. the art world, but yeah. 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 Let's, let's just assume that your opponent is going to hear this podcast. Right. Mm. And by the way, you've done a brilliant job of completely misrepresenting your training methods, what uh-huh. you're focused on. Obfuscating. He, he's he's going to be so thrown off by this. He won't have yeah. any idea. Like, he doesn't even know like that. Your whole game plan is just to, to uh, just go knee him in the head yeah. uh, right away. Which is right. illegal in amateur MMA in the state of Tennessee. That's why it's going to be so <laughs> unexpected. Exactly. Yeah. This whole yeah. this whole card that just happened, it was clearly about illegal knees. So it's obviously well, the new it's, move. It's the new thing. Yeah. And uh, uh, if, knees if, to if a down thing, I'm just being informative as to like the structure that I've taken into my weightlifting and 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 tech and like my technical uh, technique schedule yeah. and stuff. But yeah. I'm not gonna you you're know. not gonna tell us your game plan right no, no actually, but, I mean, why, why don't you tell us your game plan but make one up that it's completely yeah. uh, just gonna be a, a point of confusion for him um, let's see. I'm going to flying triangle him. <laughs> I'm going to get him in a Muay Thai clinch where I wrap my hands around the back of his head. My forearms are braced up against his collarbones. I'm going to snap him down, use my explosive training, my fast twitch fiber muscles in my lower extremity, jump up to head level, and pull an arm in between my legs and have his head there too, and yeah. figure four a triangle. And I'm going to choke him out unconscious before I even hit the ground. <laughs> how, how crazy would it be if that's actually what happened oh my god I can't wait <laughs> that'd be like a Jorge Masvidal running yeah, and asking that's what I'm saying what the yeah, that's, all I'm thinking of, that's all I'm thinking about to me like, that, that's the only move now just go nuts you know? actually the uh, the real game plan is to um, shoulder shrugs well is to actually <laughs> yeah shoulder is to uh, is to kick his arms so hard that they break <laughs> that's that's it just just kick his arms and then take the don't neck. aim don't aim for anything else just just the arms it's amazing how long <laughs> it took people to figure out like barbosa at all because it was just like oh man it's yeah. one of those brutal I, I, there's very few fighters you, you know like you would see where like where i, where I feel deeply so bad for the other person because i'm just yeah. there's something about his kicks that would just seemed more prolongingly brutal yeah than anything else that i've ever seen he's when not he was at his peak he's not as dominating as obviously as um deontay wilder um I, I contribute a lot of that to the fact that it is uh, mixed martial arts. So there's different crafts that go in there. Sure. But yeah. it's one of those things that you can be better than someone, but sometimes there's just that outlining attribute that you just can't escape from. And what mm. I mean is that like Deontay Wilder's last fight, uh, he was, you know, not losing badly, but he was losing on the scorecards. Yeah, for sure. He's got that diamond, uh, di- dynamite cross that dynamite right hand. So it like doesn't really matter because any punch that is thrown could just knock you out. Mm. Same thing with, um, more than more than anybody, uh, more Barbosa. than any heavyweight in with history. Barbosa, yeah, with Barbosa yeah. is that you can out technique him and stuff like that. You get too comfortable for one second, and you get a switch kick to your head, and you're all chicken legged like Kevin Lee was. Mm, and yeah. the thing is, Kevin Lee won that fight, but he was almost put away towards the end. Yeah, towards the and that and that's the problem with someone that's got like that specialty, mm-hmm. specialty cross or a switch kick or like the, something that is their um like they made it their uh, what is it modus apparatus mm-hmm. your, your way of doing and mm-hmm. stuff like they owned it. Mm-hmm. That's something really really to be careful of about um you know like fighters or st- or just like people in general. Is that if you're in a competition with someone and you know that they're a specialty in one particular thing, uh-huh. do not relax too much 
to the or assume that you've got the wind to the point that like you're not being cautious anymore especially Ca- about that thing right yeah well cautions what uh, has kept the human race survi- uh, surviving for so long is <laughs> fear yeah. and like the response to fear like fight or flight and stuff like that it's uh, it's ingrained in our dna like caution keeps us alive mm-hmm. and so in my opinion if you no longer feel caution then you're then you're in trouble mm-hmm. you can hit your flow state you can hit this moment where like everything's landing and now you're just like hitting in a pattern that you normally wouldn't be able to hit, but like you've mentally broken your opponent. Mm-hmm. Still be cautious. You know what? That reminds me of uh, another bit about Reyes. I don't know why we're talking about him so much, but he was talking to somebody and he was saying that uh, in that Jones fight, it was the first time he'd ever uh, switched stances. Really? Like he had never, he just never did that and interesting like, I don't know something happened in the fight and all of a sudden I could just do it wow it's a high risk high reward you know like where if you do something that you like didn't do in training or something and you like did it for the first time in a fight and stuff uh, I would definitely say that that's like a high risk high reward that he was doing right there um it's kind of like being a drummer and you're like, I'm going to go for the most epic drum. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is going to land on the one or not. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, the same thing with like the Jorge Masvidal's flying knee to Ben Askren's dome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks uh, like genius, but really it's it's a big roll of the dice. He and just happened to nail wrongly. And then yeah. Ben Askren would have taken him down. And it would have been a big flop. And then yeah. everyone would have been like, why would you launch yourself <laughs> towards True. someone yeah. that just all they need to do is grab you and get you yeah. down? But it worked out. Yeah. Right. And for Reyes, I think that his stock only goes up um, of course. based off how many people think that, you know, that he won the fight and that he brought it to him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, Was it Chuck Mendenhall? He said like, uh, like Jones is the, uh, the, the first champion to have lost his last two fights or something like that. You know, it was, oh, yeah. Something like right, that. Yeah. yeah. Right. So and then we got Fury Wilder two coming up this weekend this Saturday um, yeah. and so uh, and for those who don't really watch boxing and I'm not necessarily like an aficionado but I, I, but I do like boxing a lot and uh, the first meeting of these these characters uh, Fury got knocked out in a way that was uh, I, as brutal as any kind of knockout that I've ever seen in any kind of a fight and he just laid there for a second mm. and then it was just like he woke up and just stood right and back just, up you know, oh, yeah. walked the line did whatever he needed to do and then uh, he's there it was the yeah. most uncanny bizarre crazy thing that I feel like I'd ever I couldn't even believe what I was seeing oh I neither could Deontay Wilder uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he already walked off and yeah. He, yeah he was for, celebrating and yeah. then, so uh, so anyway with with the comments that you made earlier about uh, Fury changing coaches yeah you know like that's created like you know from my perspective I think that it's psychotic and extremely misguided to do a whole lot different than what you did in the first fight and I don't think that like uh, leaning into him and being like you know what now I'm really gonna take it to him yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like that's a recipe for, for disaster. Yeah, for people who, did, who didn't see that first fight or don't know much about boxing, in the first fight, many people would argue that Fury was winning that fight and outboxing Deontay Wilder. Uh, and also, Deontay Wilder fucking knocked him to the fucking hell and back, and somehow he stood back up again, and the fight continued. So... You know, in terms of like the most damaging blows landed in the fight, DeAndre Wilder won that fight. But in terms of the, uh, you know, the overall boxing match, which was very active. And, and again, back to back to the point, there was a couple times where it looked like Fury had actually hurt Wilder, you know, so it was a close fight for sure. And I can't wait for the I can't wait for this rematch. So it's about adjustments, right? Or like whether um, to make a certain adjustments. How do you how do you make the, the sort of choice about sort of don't run away from what got you there? Stay true to yourself. Mm-hmm versus like I have to make adjustments in this rematch or you uh, uh, you have to be like a um, like a scientist about it and I don't know the exact system and methodology it is but it's in my opinion very similar to like developing a hypothesis mm-hmm. you know um, you need to okay here are the things that here's everything that I've done here is the result that I got here are the things that I enjoyed here are the things that I didn't enjoy here are the things that worked. Here are the things that didn't work. And it's important that, uh, um, almost like making like a overlapping pie chart or like Van was a Venn uh, diagram. Yeah. Venn diagram. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that you can enjoy something, but if it didn't work, it didn't work. So it, those are the, so those are the kind of things that I went back and I assessed. Um, 
for, for myself anytime that I go in between fights. So I think it's very important to switch things up to continue your growth. But I don't think in like an astronaut, like I don't like, for example, a lot of my training is done at a grappling gym. I would not switch all of that hard work and foundation into just going over to a striking gym. It's my job to figure out how to integrate my striking with my grappling. So I wouldn't change in complete totality, but I would assess the things that worked, didn't work, my result, what I wanted the result to be versus what it actually was, um, and how I felt about uh, just everything in general. So you said a second ago when we were talking about the example of how the how you might apply the lessons you've learned in the martial arts mm-hmm. to some other artistic uh, endeavor. And you you meant you, you know, brought up the idea of culinary arts and you said, keep uh, making my best dishes, but also spend time working on making my my other dishes better. Right. How does that go back to your martial arts? What is your best dish when it comes to getting in the cage to fight people? And and what things are you working on getting better? I think you already said it. Kicking ass. Yeah. <laughs> First, um, I kick ass, and I'm learning how to take names. Yeah, that's the hard part. Next man. question. Yeah, me, uh, me and Floyd Mayweather get. Sometimes together, I forget man. to get their fucking name. <laughs> yeah, me and Floyd Mayweather get together. I teach him how to read and he teaches me how to write. For those of you who don't know, there was like a, a, a big thing a couple years ago. People poking fun that boxing legend Floyd Mayweather couldn't read. Um, anyways, how that, uh, so I would say like the best dishes yeah. in terms of like the martial arts that yeah. I uh, train and study in um, it would be grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's so many different ways that you can slice grappling, jujitsu, sambo, wrestling. Mm. I favor a more wrestling jujitsu style. Right. Um, I would say that my biggest improvements to my grappling are my continuous growths in jujitsu, mm-hmm. which is the foundation. But I train so hard in complimenting my wrestling. Uh-huh. They are so very too close together. Yeah, are, and especially a Legion. Legion to me is a kind of a wrestling heavy jujitsu gym. Would, yes, does that seem fair? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. As someone who's been wrestled to the ground by many people yeah, at Legion, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you. There's yes. a lot. So I, uh, <laughs> I really, really put a lot of work into my wrestling, but the jujitsu is the cornerstone of the grappling mm-hmm. foundation. But in terms, just in general, uh, my best dish is, uh, is that I'm a grappler. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the other things that I may not be oh so great at, you know, are, th- uh, are the other things that you, what, there was a, there was a train of thought that someone said, and I, and it's really important that people do it that way. You can look at all your attributes and train your worst attributes and be a mediocre person, or you can train your best features and your best attributes to the best and fullest potential that it can possibly be. And then you'll be so much more successful because you played to your strengths and what than than your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of what I do. I train super hard in my strengths, but I also fill in the holes of my weaknesses. I mm. acknowledge them. I find ways to minimize them and I work on them. So I guess that allows you to, if your, if your strength is perhaps more in the grappling, um, that's a, that's a control thing, right? Especially wrestling jujitsu. Like that's about controlling uh, the, the, where, where the fight is going, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, it seems like that is the lowest common denominator. If anything, have your strength be in like sort of what is inevitably the the lowest common denominator, because Mm -hmm. then you can kind of control what's going on, I suppose a little bit better. And then, uh, uh, you know, and then maybe is it when you realize something is a weakness is, is training it. Does it feel like, like in your mind? Are you thinking like, uh, man, I suck at this or like, I just wish I was better at this and I'm not improving at the rate that I would like. Or is it something where you're like, this is really fun because I actually have so many more miles to go here than something that I've already achieved a certain level of expertise with. You have to be mentally positive. And what I mean by that is, um, we've been doing like a lot of, uh, mental positivity training as well. It kind of pairs with the visual uh, visualization, but you have to think kind words about yourself yeah. to yourself and things like that yeah. in order for, for that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that, that's just the, the biggest part there is just thinking positively and, uh, extracting. Cause like if you think pessimistically and negatively, it's like, I suck at this. Well, then you're going to think, why am I even working this? This is like my worst thing. I don't know how to do this. Well, in the, um, absence, in the absence of sort of schoolyard bullies that you, you know, like you don't need to become, sort of so compulsive towards like 
you, you don't want to be in a position where if I don't have something challenging me that I'm my fire is sort of not lit and mm-hmm. then in the absence of actual bullies they start creating your own internal bully yeah. to sort of supplant that sort of uh, yeah. you know like I would imagine there's a lot of things like that that you sort of have to check yourself on all the time well, yeah, it's um, it's making sure that it's it's that saying being comfortable with discomfort, you know, um, it's and it's something the thing is that with how much comfort that we supply ourselves in our day to day lives, you know, um, was it soft times make soft people, hard times make hard people that, that bring soft times. And then, you know, it's a, it's a cycle. Um and it's just really important to, in my opinion, at least for myself, to adapt that, you know, in a philosophical way to affect my life. Um, and what, what it is that and this this uh, correlates with thinking positively. I have to positively receive the challenge that I am imposing on myself. There are challenges of life and then there are challenges that you have to challenge yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just very, very important that in those moments you have to be positive. So instead of being like, oh, I suck at, you know, doing this thing, I don't want to do it anymore. You need to think, man, this is good that I'm, that I'm trying to get better at this. You know, it's, I, it's not going to be my best thing. That's okay. I've got my best thing, but this is going to compliment and I feel good that I'm improving. Yeah. You have to feed yourself that positive moral you know feedback in order to yield the best results in my opinion and enjoy 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 what you're doing in training um so yeah this is like a jujitsu pep talk all the way because i mean to me this is because <laughs> like when it comes to like punching mitts and kicking the bag or like you know sparring off in a little training session when you're in kickboxing class or something like that like you know some like you know light you know sparring training or whatever all that shit is fun as hell and even though it's hard and even though your your heart beats and you sweat and you know you get you get tired out and stuff it's just non-stop enjoyment but Mm -hmm. so much of jujitsu is grueling and it's fucking great for you it's amazing it's actually like real self-defense to learn you know what I mean but it's but you need a lot of self-positivity to get through it absolutely it's okay that I'm terrible at everything Um, (laughs) yeah like that's one of the greatest challenges that you can just willingly uh, succumb yourself to. It's like, okay, 6.30 p.m., I'm going to roll up into this gym and get smothered and smushed and squashed by mm-hmm. all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to you have to welcome that challenge, those mm-hmm. kind of challenges in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in the trinity, the, um, the mind, the body, the spirit. And I believe that everyone has a different methodology of how they go about uh, encompassing all three. Me personally, I believe uh, in a being involved in all three of them simultaneously, but there are chapters and stages in my life that I'll be involved in more so than one than the other. Yeah. So as a young adolescent uh, adult, um, I'm in my I'm in my body. You know, mm-hmm. I'm pushing myself as an athlete. I decided to be an athlete. Do I am I going to be an athlete forever? God, I hope not. My hips are already hurting and I'm 23. So, um, but right now, and while I haven't even hit my athletic prime, I'm going to push myself physically and encompass to the fullest of what it means to be at the peak of body Mm -hmm. while I'm still juggling a little bit of mind and spirit. Yeah. Now, once I get older to where like, I just physically can't push at an athletic level, you know, I always hope to maintain some kind of functional fitness, but as soon as I can't maintain the athletic level and yeah. that, and that drive, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to start trying to use my mind more yeah. and really, exp- and like I said, it's important to be working on these tools simultaneously, but you're focusing on what your strong suit is at, in that moment. Mm. Yeah. I'm a young guy. I like to use my body. I put a lot of attention and focus into it. Yeah. I need to expand on that yeah you're good you're good for a little while but eventually you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna be like what uh, that was awesome. Maybe I'll start a podcast. Well, yeah. I, I, think, yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to now train with, uh, like Stephen Hawking's understudy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I really like about mixed martial arts is because right now I have the best opportunity of focusing on being a hardcore athlete. Yeah. And, but I'm also a teacher at Legion Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. I teach, uh, 
the, the all of the youth program at East Nashville uh, Legion Jiu Jitsu. It's off of East Trinity Lane. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get let's uh, let's get everybody the info on how to track you down, how to see the fights, uh, yeah. and where to train with you. So it should be uh, to see the fights. It should be Facebook Live. You know, there will be something on there, or you can come and buy your tickets from uh, from me personally. Um, this is Jonathan Ivey's uh, Cage Fighting Championship. Yes, Jonathan Ivey's Cage Mid Fighting Tennessee Championship. Expo March. Seventh, seventh in the Murfreesboro and Murfreesboro. And if people want to track you down to actually get tickets, where do they find you on social media and stuff? So on social media, you can go ahead and just look me up um, on Facebook, Jason Baker, J A Y S E N B A K E R, um, and you should see like a, a fight poster profile picture. Um, I have smoldering, beautiful eyes. Yes, it'd be that guy. Uh, yeah, okay. and then, uh, everybody. Jason has like a uh, uh, goatee thing happening, and and we I all like want Dr. him. Strange. We all want him to have a nickname <laughs> of Doctor Strange. So yeah, I've got tell the, Jason he should have the nickname Jason Doctor Strange Baker. I've got the, <laughs> I've got the cheekbones of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, and then uh, on Instagram, it's uh, same thing. Uh, well, Instagram. Instagram name Jason A Baker, all, right. all one word J A Y S E N A B A K E R. Cool, and we'll put it all in the show notes for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, thanks uh, for making this time, and uh, especially in the middle of a, a camp, right? Yeah, yeah and yeah. all the work and all the things you're doing. So really appreciate um, it. I uh, hope that the Art Fight pack Podcast sort of uh, rub works for you. Uh, I think that you're going to do great. Um, Can I say a couple things? Yeah, please do. Please yeah, say sorry things. to interrupt. No. <laughs> so number one, uh, I'd like to do a shout out to my sponsor. Oh that's yeah, all right. Yeah. So um, this has been a really exciting time because this is like my first official official sponsor. I am sponsored by the U.S. Pest uh, Pest Protection. Oh nice. right. On. And they are phenomenal people. They are actually about to be filming my training and my personal life, so that way they can bridge the gap between uh, between like me and where I connect to the common people mm-hmm. um that's gonna be really exciting so expect that soon uh th- they have been absolutely incredible they have been very passionate about working with me a local athlete i could not fathom the attention that they have given me to just ever actually take place because because of them whether they realize it or not has made me hungrier for more sponsors because mm. of the way they treated me with so much respect cool. interest and passion that's so great US huge pa- shout out to us pest protection because geez they've really made me feel important that's awesome yeah, yeah. and then shout uh, out to them and then another thing is a shout out to you guys here uh, on the fight our podcast uh, it um what i really really uh, and enjoy about all of this is that there was a time where I wouldn't mess with any of this. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't talk to people about ticket sales. I hated when people would talk to me about, are you going to win the fight? <sighs> Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think I'm doing right now? You know, it's yeah. like, why, why ask that? <laughs> what do you so, think like, I'm doing? What do you think I'm doing right now? It's like, I'm Taking like dives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but like people will question and ask about your confidence and stuff like that. And I hate that. But, um, and, but all these obligations of, Oh, uh, the promoter wants me to post this on my social media, sure. spread these posters around. I used to hate it, but, um, after the sponsorship opportunity, it really turned my business brain on to yeah. where I really enjoy this. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed making time to make it out here for this podcast. Yeah. I enjoy Appreciate interacting it. with people that like, if I walk around a gym or two that I put my posters up at, they're like, Oh, you, you're the one with the fight. And I'll actually right. like talk to them about it and be like, yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I now enjoy real. the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At first I just wanted to be the athlete. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I'm really understanding what it's like to be the entertainer yeah yeah out and of the woodshed and onto the man, onto the stage man, i'm mm. loving it because yeah. uh, i i credit it a lot to again it's killing me that i can't think of the name of the book but i think it's <laughs> market against the machine or something by john morgan uh-huh. it's a marketing book but it has really helped me out in my personal life yeah and i've got several marketing books like that that have sort of really turned it around for me yeah uh, and, um, and it's all there's something universal about it we'll, we'll talk more about it but yeah yeah, yeah. So, next time next time uh, so everybody uh check the show notes to make sure you have a way to connect up with Jason and uh, Joe. Thank you for also yeah. being here. Great to be here. Good to see you again, and, Jason. Uh, yeah, good to see you too, And Joe. listen, uh, shout out to, again, all the previous uh, guests that we've had uh, from Legion. Uh, we love you guys. 
And uh, all right, I think we're good, right? We're good to go. All right, we're out. Jason, Jason. the nice guy, Baker, (laughs) signing off. (laughs) Doctor Strange. (laughs) Go team. Okay guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast, click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast, and once you get there you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level, you're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone